take a listen. That's a tambor de agua, or water drum, one of the most intriguing and rare instruments from the Amazon that my guest today, Antonio Teoli, is helping preserve. You see, Antonio is the founder of the Amazonic, one of the first audio companies in the world that is recording instruments played by indigenous people. Instruments are used for festivities, rituals, and more importantly, giving back to those communities. We talk about his fish out of water story, moving from the concrete jungles of Sao Paulo, Brazil, to the actual jungles of the Amazon, in pursuit of his dream of making music for video games. He shares with us about how an indigenous family member gave him the life gift of spirituality and a great connection to nature and the planet. We talk about the importance of protecting street dogs and the love that dogs bring to our lives. We talk about the Amazonic, his project of saving those native instruments and sharing them with the rest of the world. If you ever wanted to learn about music instruments of the Amazon, or you've been wanting to pursue a creative project that is close to your heart, you just don't know how to, or even finding ways to give back to the things you love, this is going to be an episode you're going to love. So stay tuned. Oi, Antonio, tudo bom? Hello, how are you? Hi, Frank, how are you? That's a, that, that, was a good, that was a good Portuguese, man. Oh, obrigado, obrigado. Yes, uh, Portuguese is my first language. My mom is Brazilian from Paraná. So, you know, we grew up in a house uh, speaking Portuguese, but I was born in Paraguay, so we spoke Spanish there. And uh, what about you? Tell me to, where you're from. So I am from Brazil, originally from Sao Paulo, um, but I lived in many places of Brazil. I lived in uh, Florianópolis for five years and a half. I lived in the Amazon for four years and a half. And right now I'm living in Los Angeles for four years. That's amazing that you were able to experience all those uh, places. And now you're in the uh, United States, like myself. And um, you're such a talented composer. I've seen a lot of the game soundtracks that you made. Uh, how'd you get involved, like creating music for video games? So I, um, oh, oof, that's that goes a long way back. Uh, I'm with 36 years right now, and I'm started professionally when I was 16 years. Um, basically, I always wanted to be a musician. My my dad started teaching me guitar when I was like one year. Then I started learning piano when I was seven. I played tuba on an orchestra in Brazil when I was uh, 12. Um, so my whole life is I've been surrounded with music. And uh, But for some reason, I, I always wanted to do music for video games. That was like my goal. I grew up playing Sonic, um, Legend of Zelda, you know, all of these classic Sega and Nintendo games. And but that was my dream. But in Brazil, as as you can imagine, the whole South American community was in the game industry was very, very like 20 years ago, it was pretty much inexistent. And so I just I still decided to do it. And then I uh, did my graduation, which was in game design, uh, was the first first uh, class uh, in South America to do this, you know, uh, graduation. And I got um, lucky. I got hired on the fourth month of the university, and I as a as a composer on a game company in Brazil. And 
rest is, is history basically yeah i started doing uh what we call advert games in brazil which was like games connected to advertisement that was the core industry in brazil back in the days so i did like music for games developed for coca-cola global uh barbie uh iva pioneer like those kind of stuff at some disney game as well but then later on i i went to another game company called Hoplon, where we did the biggest MMORPG developing Brazil ever called Taikodon, where I worked there for five years. That was the, the moment I lived in Florianopolis. Uh, then I started my own company called Andromeda Sound uh, to provide sounds for other game clients. Uh, later on, once uh, the moment I leave uh, Hoplon, Samsung reaches out to me, someone from Samsung, uh, telling me that they were starting their very first game studio in the world, and that was in the Amazon. And they reached out to me. I remember like one day before Christmas in 2013, and they were like, do you want to work for Samsung? We really liked your portfolio. We need someone to be our director and, and lead composer here. I was like, sure, Samsung. That's awesome. Of course. Yeah. Where are you guys located? Oh, uh, we are in the Amazon. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> man i don't know if i want to live in the amazon even though i love the amazon but i think it's going to be too much of a difference between sao paulo and, and, and the amazon but they were they were so kind they're like you know what we're gonna fly you here and we're gonna take you for a tour and so basically they flew me to uh to the amazon and i spent uh i don't remember if it was two or three days there and like they they show me everywhere uh surrounded the city gave me this whole uh food culture that I, you know, like I, I didn't know about at the time, which I freaking love it. And, uh, and you know, like it was a very magical journey. And uh, by the end of it, I was like, yeah, I want to work here. And that's uh, you, you, you got me. So I stayed there working for uh, four years and almost half. But then I feel like I, I needed to do some kind of next step in my career. So I decided to quit everything, apply for my visa here in the U.S., and, and move here and uh that's where i'm right now in uh, los angeles west hollywood and it's been it's been fun that's incredible and let me ask you something you know you were from sao paulo that is one of the biggest city in the whole world and then you go to manaus right in the amazon how big of a culture shock it was for you oh it was huge man because like in sao paulo is it's like what we call a concrete jungle right so it's surrounded by huge skyscrapers, and then you go to the Amazon, where you have a very different type of city, uh, beautiful places, of course. Uh, but once you start to get out of the core area, you start to see a little bit of uh, the sadness that surrounds, like a lot of street dogs, a lot of poor people, which is very sad and kind of it broke my heart to see that. Um, so it was like a, a reality shock in, in many ways, many ways, good and positive and, and negative ways. Uh, the, the, the positive was that uh, people there are so awesome and they were so hardworking. They were so friendly. Everyone welcomed me so well. I, I've made some friends there that I will carry for the rest of my life. Food is amazing. The music is amazing, you know, and also being connected uh, to the nature, which is something that I love. Uh, it, it was truly magical, like being able to work uh, on a city area for Samsung and then 
during the weekends being able to drive 30 minutes and be on the Black River doing, uh, you know, paddleboarding with bottles around you. That was freaking cool, man. It was, for me, it was a perfect combination, honestly. Like, okay, I can work here. I have like the city vibe and then I can get out. I can like meditate. I can uh, enjoy uh, the nature. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Only thing that was tricky, man, it was like the bugs. There are some huge bugs there. I got some <laughs> <good> bites. <laughs> yeah, and you're mentioning the boto. That's the Amazon uh, dolphin uh, that has like a pinkish hue. And legend says that, you know, sometimes the boto would turn to a handsome man to lure the girls uh, into the river, right? They would get the girls pregnant while their males are outside uh, hunting or doing their stuff. That's the, that's what the legend says. They say the boto, can, like when you go visit, the, the tour guy says to the lady, be careful because the boto can get you pregnant. So that's that's so funny. <laughs> yes, that's an uh, interesting uh, legend of the Amazon. And you were surrounded by the, the music of indigenous people in the Amazon. And is that what inspired you to start the Amazonic? You want to tell me more about that? Yeah, you know, um, first of all, my, my great-grandmother, uh, which I was very fortunate to, to have her in my life until my early 20s, she was a, a native person. And she, 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 she grew up on one of the, uh, the native communities in Sao Paulo, right? And she was such a, a spiritual person. She was definitely special. We used to call her our shaman, the, the family's shaman. Um, and she used to tell me stories about, you know, like her community and that kind of stuff. I always feel somehow connected to it. Um, but of course, you grew up in Sao Paulo, it's hard to, in the city, it's hard to be connected to that subject because, again, you're surrounded by skyscrapes, the lifestyle, it's so crazy and so intense, uh, and, and that sometimes you forget about that that uh, other side of, the, of life. And when I moved to the Amazon, I immediately feel reconnected to my, to my grandma, uh, you know, and the story she told me. And the, the more I start to learn about the more I fell in love. I, I tried uh, many times to do, uh, for example, a game uh, on Samsung. I, I, I tried to pitch them many times to do like a, a game about the Amazonian culture because there are so many amazing stuff, but unfortunately it never went through. They had other other amazing ideas, of course, for, for the games. And there was a little bit of disappointment from my side because I, I really feel like, okay, I am in the Amazon, we need to do something about it, you know, like uh, th that would be so cool. So I never quite had the, the idea to do anything on my own. And also, of course, the, the power, the financial power to do anything on my own, like I would have with Samsung, of course. So uh, one day um, after I moved to the US, after, after I, I left the Amazon, I was uh, going to, you know, uh, Compose for a game, and I was like, I want to do something very different here. And that's when I, uh, I was in the shower and I had the spark. I was like, Oh my God, all of those amazing sounds that I've heard in the Amazon and the, the you know, the, the, what's the word? Like the festivities that I, I saw with the natives, with their music and everything else that I always in love. I was like, Why I didn't record a library with that? So, 
then I uh, that's when I start to like scratching the idea, like, okay, what can I do to make this a uh, not just a, a cool project sounding wise, but something that gives back to the Amazon, something that I wanted to do while I was I was working at Samsung as well. Um, and that's how the Amazonic uh, started, you know, and it was basically the idea of record a very special sound library um, that musicians and composers could play these 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 instruments virtually, like uh, all composers do, using professional tools, and um, and then also do something to, that that goes back to the community, like the musicians, and also like social causes as well. Um, yeah, that's how the Amazonic uh, was born. That's a phenomenal story, and there's so much to interesting things that you mentioned. Like for example, your your grandmother and and having that connection with her, and being your your family shamans. Is there any kind of uh, happy memory that you share with her? Uh, do you want to tell us about something interesting? Yeah, she. Uh, it's funny because I have. I, I don't think you can see here on my camera, but I have a picture with because I have these pictures that surrounds me. Uh, these are my dogs, and these are. I have five pictures here that are my special moments in my life. And one of these pictures is me and holding my grandma uh, a few months before she passed. She passed with ninety-two, was it, as as I remember. But um, we there are so many amazing memories with her, man. Seriously, um, she was. Uh, I don't know if I, I know some people are skeptical about that. It's always about what you believe and what you don't believe. But I am a believer in in, in the spiritual world, you know. And she was a seer. Uh, she could see things, and I remember, um, like for example, let me tell you a funny story, a quick one about my mom. So how my mom and my dad met. My mom uh, grew up on a kind of like, let's say, medium high class family. Uh, and my dad grew up on a very poor family. So my dad, when he was young, he knocked at my grandfather's door uh, house, right? And asking for, for a job. And my, my great grandmother which was in the house as well, she heard someone knocking and she asked my mom to answer the door. And before my mom reached the door, my great-grandmother said, this is your husband. You're going to get married to him. Before she even opens the door. And my mom told me like how she used to mock her like in, in, a, in, a, in a respectful way. She'd be like, Come on, uh, come on, uh, grandmother! Are you crazy? No, I don't even know him. And uh, she opened the door. She's like, "Oh my God! There is no way this will happen." So I don't know what happened in between. But six months later, they were like about to get married. So you know that that kind of stuff. And also, like um, every time I That's used phenomenal. to, yeah, every time I used to have a new girlfriend. Let's let's say that uh, I used to always like consult her. My my great grandmother, like, hey, hey, Nona. I always call her Nona. Hey, Nona, what do you think? Do you think this is the one? She's like, and she would say stuff like, no, I don't think so because of this, this, and this, and that. So, no, that's your your girlfriend, the person you marry is this one, blah, 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 blah. And even my career, she would be like, you know, you will be doing this stuff when you're like at this age. She used to like, for season, it was crazy, man. I, I know that in vain, this is freaking crazy. 
Uh, and when she she passed, uh, I really feel lost because she was like my guidance and for other members of my family as well. My family is huge. Like my she my nona, she had I think eleven kids, so family is huge. But yeah, it was definitely a special moment. Yes, it's incredible, and I totally believe you uh, with the story because it, it is something that we have experienced in my in my life. Um, you know, my, my mom is, is that way too. And I remember, you know, have, uh, girlfriends come over and my mom be like, Nope, she's not going to last. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's such a phenomenal connection that you have with your Nona. Right. And it inspired you to, to reach out and, and, and create this project. And, and what I think is beautiful about this project is that, you know, you give so much to the community. And I seen recently where you were going and, uh, you know, buying food and medicine for street dogs. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a really big issue in South America. Uh, you know, we see them wandering everywhere. And what led you to get inspired to give some of the profits of the Amazonic Sounds to help street dogs? Yeah, I, uh, I have a huge love for animals, man. That's my... if. It, Anyone who asks what my my dream my dream is is not like winning Oscars or anything like that uh, on my composer career is actually having a lot of money to, so I could have this huge land and just have straight stray animals like dogs and cats um, you know and I I I I used to work for uh, some uh, organizations uh, in Florianopolis we uh, we used to uh, rescue some dogs and. Uh, every Saturday, we would go to this place where they are, you know, where they live uh, and they are getting ready to be adopted. So we'd go there and help, uh, you know, these dogs should be prepared to be adopted. And sometimes we'd go to people's house to check if the dog was being taken care of, uh, well, well care. And yeah, it's, um, I always feel the connection. And uh, I knew like uh, when I was, uh, when I had this, I, part of the idea was like, hey, sending money back to the community is it's not just native people but it's uh, it is native people as well but it is also other causes and that include uh, includes dogs uh, straight straight animals overall like dogs and cats uh and again like it's it's so hard to describe the situation there uh, uh unless you live there it, it seriously there wasn't a single day in a in a single week that I was driving to work and I wouldn't see like a dog dead on, on, on the street. Sometimes more than that. It, it was, it was very heartbreaking. You would, I remember like that would just ruin my day. It would like drag me down and all my dogs are, are, are street dogs that I, that I have. Um, you know, I, I got dogs that are, they were, they were like at the, at the urge of, of, of death uh, with lots of diseases. And I would be like, okay, you're my mission. I'm gonna make sure you have the best life possible, and um, so yeah, it's uh, I just feel connected. Like, for me, it's all part of the 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 necessities and and the the problems that we face, uh, in particular in the Amazon. But we have a street dogs problem uh, in the whole, as you say, the whole South America, right? I, I can I don't know where it is worse or where it is less worse, but. I think it, it definitely is like a, a third world country um, situation, sadly. Yeah. 
And and I'm the same way too. You know, every time that we we get dogs, we get it that we adopt. You know, we have Magpie, that is 18 years old now. She's uh, have live a happy life, and then I have also have Laika. And I always feel so much respect for everybody that supports and help uh, the adoption and the rescue of animals. Uh, my friend Zuneba that does it on the Navajo Reservation, big respect. Uh, my friend Julia in New Mexico that you know uses her birthday to raise money for for a dog shelter, and yourself, you know, raising money by you know creating this amazing product that is a sound library of Amazonic sounds that people can use for their movies, for their games, to, to put money back into these uh, animals. And I just think it's incredible the life and the love that I have received from my dogs. And I, I think about all those dogs that could give love and life to different families. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie uh, Prey recently. Is the one with the uh, the predator uh, versus the uh, the Comanche girl, and she has a dog, and that dog was rescued. I don't know if you know that they went to a shelter and they rescued this dog, and two weeks later he's one of the biggest stars in the whole world, you know. And it's just about uh, those dogs, you know. If you're thinking about adopting, like this is a perfect time to do it. I know a lot of shelters, they're full of uh, pets. And, you know, if you if you can, if you have the space in your home, like definitely do it. Your life is going to be more uh, enriched by it. That's true. That's, and, that's, I didn't know about the dog on, on Prey. Actually, I haven't watched yet. It's on my list. But uh, that's so cool to know that the dog was a, a rescue dog. And that's amazing. It, it is amazing. And I read that they filmed the movie and they were put into test audience. And the number one comment was, "We need more of the dog." So they went back and they reshot more scenes with the uh, with the dog. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe the next dog that you adopt is gonna be the next Hollywood movie star. You know, who knows? And from from those sounds that you capture, uh, would you want to maybe run to some like uh, sounds? that you um, were able to capture, explain a little bit about them, just maybe one or two? Sure. You mean like the sounds that are, that I record in the Amazon? Correct. Yeah. For the Amazonic AMA1, I recorded 109 instruments, as far as I remember, which was a lot. I promised myself I'm never going to do that again because that was insane. And there are some instruments... I mean, no, all of the instruments are pretty amazing, to be honest. Uh, but there are some instruments that really caught my attention. And I remember um, one is called tambor d'agua, which is basically a, a water drum. And this is a huge instrument. It's, it's not small. It's a big and heavy instrument. It's made of a gourd, a huge one. I'm talking about probably like uh, 90 centimeters, almost one meter uh, big. And uh, so what happened is that the João Paulo, which is the creator of this uh, instrument, he basically uh, worked on it in a way where he cuts in half, he removes everything inside, he does some treatment on it, uh, which I don't know exactly what it is. And then he put, he put some water inside. And then he puts uh, on top of this water uh, other uh, two other gourds, very small ones, 
that looks like a, almost the size of a coconut. And he puts some, um, I, don't, I don't know the name of it, but basically these coconuts, they float in the water, right? So the, so basically he plays with some sticks. And what happens is that every time he hits those gourds that are facing the water, float in the water, you have this it's it's such an alien word it's like completely out, out of this word sound and i remember like uh you know listen to that for the first time and i was like oh my god this is so cool uh it was definitely one of the coolest instruments to to record and you know like another thing that i also think it's important to highlight it's because like the moment these musicians arrived the studio with their instruments which was like research and talk about it and all the kinds of stuff and you hear the instrument there in front of you for the first time it's 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 a it's an amazing experience and not just that but um basically my process is like asking the musicians okay play the instrument the way you play this instrument and they play but what happens is that sometimes they design those instruments to be played only in one way. And part of my work there is respect that, capture this, and ask them if they are willing to expand the possibilities of sound. So, And when they say yes, which is usually what happens, uh, we sit and then we start to like discover extra sounds that these instruments can make. And then there is a learning uh, moment from both sides where I am trying to not just learn about the instrument but try to expand possibilities and the creator of the instrument is also relearning about the instrument that they created and it, it's so funny because a lot of the times they go like oh I didn't know this instrument could make this sound and we capture all of these sounds around so every instrument was very special because of this experiment and experience we had to go through to record these sounds and you know it's just it's it's just it's very stressful to record because recording samples for those who recorded sample libraries out there they know it's like like heat like light again 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 now stronger again 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 so in a particular way you know hit that that direction hit this way it's it's really it's a very uh extensive and tireless process but it's cool we always have fun. So every instrument is very special for me. But but tambor d'agua, which is the water drums, is definitely my favorite. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I saw a video of you uh, doing a record in the Amazon, and you you set the mics and the cables, and people were dancing around the microphone and stepping on on, on the cables, and and there was a bird that was uh, I think it was like a macaw. It was like you know, chirping. So I, I can only imagine the difficulties of being out there in the field to capture those sounds in such a high quality. The field, the field was very intense um, because we had a lot of problems, as, as you just described. But we also recorded some instruments on a local studio there. and um, But it wasn't also much better than recording uh, in the field because this very small studio that we record, I'm a one, was lacking a lot of uh, isolation. So first of all, Amazon rains all the time. So there was no uh, isolation for the ceiling. So we had to stop the recording many, many times because of rain. Second, 
uh, buses would pass on on the street of that studio all the time. So the moment we were recording, like very, uh, you know, very low sounds, and the bus just passed by, we had to redo it. And third, which was the most interesting, this studio that we recorded was on top of a carpenter. So every time the guy would turn on the, the I don't know the name of that, the the saw. First yeah. of all, he would come all the way through uh, the recording, and also he would bring a huge buzz in the in the electricity. So we had to conciliate the recording time with the carpentry, with the thunderstorm god, <laughs> and the buses passing by. So not just it was very difficult to record this instrument, but also it was an, there was an extra level of challenge because of this studio that we record on it. Um, it was definitely a trip, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of that scene of, uh, I think it's in Indiana Jones when he's trying to break the ground and he's trying to, there's a guy stamping and he wants to do it at the same time as the guy is stamping so that way the sounds get like muffled. Uh, it's phenomenal. And uh, as we wrap up here, you know, I just want you to think about you live in so many different places. You have so many different experiences. What would you say for people listening at home? Is there one thing they can do to protect the planet? Yeah. You know, I there are so many things that I, I would like to say. Um, the first thing that comes to my heart is that li living now for the first time in a first world country, uh, United States, where everything is available for you. You have all kinds of food, all kinds of everything. Very easy to reach. And... Uh, it just breaks my heart to see the amount of food that, that is wasted here. You know, uh, I grew up, even though my mom came from a rich family, um, when I grew up, every, everything in terms of money was gone. So I, I had a very, very rough childhood until my 15s. Like we starved, we had to pick leftovers from people on, on at, at the malls that shit I, I don't even go there because I, I i i'm gonna cry but uh food for me is all was always something that was like sacred we never wasted food in our house because if it was just one bean left in the plate my mom or my dad would be like you know how many people would kill to have this extra bean and you're fortunate to have it eat it uh so so i i I grew up with this mentality and every time I see here uh, in the US, as I'm sure this happens in other first world countries as well, people like just wasting a lot of food. And then you realize that one third of the, the world food is going to trash one third. And this could actually, uh, I think, almost, uh, you know, fix the, the, the world starvation problem. I think it's a matter of consciousness, you know, like be thankful and, and be mindful about the food you have in your plate and every time you waste food and all the resources as well that it's you know that it's necessary to bring that food to your place just be aware of that and and try to eat uh with responsibility if you know what i mean like try to eat with awareness of um all the causes to the world and people that were necessary to bring that food to your plate and try not to waste it. You know, that's that's what I would I would say. 
Yeah, that's, uh, that's beautiful said because that one potato that you don't eat and you throw in the trash is not only that one potato, it's all the water that was used to grow, all the pesticides or fertilizers that were used to grow the potato, all the distance the potato traveled, all the carbon from the transportation, all the labor that was made for picking from the ground, packing, taking to the store, the freezing. I mean, the, we can keep going of all the work there is. Yes. And, and I think you bring a good point. It's like, let's be thankful, grateful, and let's curb our uh, uh, waste. And uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming to the podcast. Uh, I feel like we have a really good conversation and I look forward for having a partnership with you. Let's see where we can collaborate uh, in the future. And as we wrap up here, is there some sounds that you would like to play from the library to kind of get our uh, audience into the Amazonic uh, groove? Sure. I think uh, the music for the trailer that I composed, only using the sounds that I recorded at the instrument, I think it's it's a it's a cool example of the sounds you you can achieve with your uh, you know like uh, using the sounds of the library. Perfect. Thank you so much, Antonio. It was really nice talking to you. Muito obrigado. Muito obrigado, Frank. Valeu. Hello. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you appreciate our conversation as much as I did. I want to give a special thanks to everyone who has given us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It's so heartwarming to see the positive impact our show has had. And I hope you share this episode with a friend, as this is how we grow our message of protecting Mother Earth. Thank you. Aguje.